All right. Welcome to session two, leadership basic training. And uh, we want to welcome you. How many people got some stuff out of the first session? Praise God. Amen. And uh, what you'll find is now we really get into the practical application. We talked about a lot of the basics of why we need leadership and, and how we need leadership today and how it's really, as Christians, we should not see it as an option. It's imperative that we learn how to lead. It's, it's a, we shouldn't see it as a choice. We should see it as, hey, this is what God's given me, the ability to go after, and so now it's my job to go after it, okay, and to grow in it, and he's going to give me the increase in it, amen? So now let's look at, let's go back and we'll look at the picture of Moses and Aaron and her, and you see uh, one of our first pictures of an executive leadership team or an ELT. And you see this, you see the leader, he's got the vision, he's empowered by God, he's anointed, but even though he's anointed, that doesn't mean he's supposed to do it all by himself. Even though he's a leader, doesn't mean he's supposed to do it alone. It was God to have people help him, to have people set, some, you know, set up some supports for him. And so there was Aaron and her, and the battle was won. We saw it in the next chapter, in Exodus 18, where they set up teams. And in those teams, they helped grow. And was Moses performing successful discipleship by following the advice of his father-in-law? Yes, he was. He was helping to disciple them after God's ways and his statutes. You will find that proper leadership structure, organization, and uh, implementation is one of the best ways to disciple people in the kingdom of God. Hear that again. When you start going after leadership and growing in it and employing it in your organization, you will find that it's one of the best ways of discipling people. Let me say this, not just in the church. When you start employing these and you start recognizing the things that need to change, you start prioritizing in your workplace, in your environment. Guess what? You start finding areas where you have the ability to disciple people, not just in spiritual things, but in their job. How do they do their job better? How do they lead better in that position? Guess what you can also use this in? Your home. You can teach some of the same principles, set up teams. You can even... What we're going to go through is show you how to uh, assess the situation. You can use these same uh, principles in, um, in your home and in your family. Now, one of the things I want to tell you about, I was just telling Pastor Larry about this, is this is just really the framework for what we're going to do. We're going to start having uh, quarterly meetings where we have kind of a continuing education on leadership. One of the things I want to show you is, look at all these uh, diagrams. Every single one of those diagrams is another way and a process on how to walk through problems, issues, and turn them into opportunities. I know last year we had a pretty major uh, situation come up here at, at Boomerang, and in there, in there I was talking to one of my mentors who also uh, teaches this leadership, and he stepped me right through how to handle that situation. And I'm telling you, it went off so perfectly and so beautifully. The hand of God was on it. Why? Because Scripture was on it. His Word was on it. His anointing was on it. And the Word of God was on it. And as we stepped through, he was teaching me and discipling me in leadership as he helped me step through that problem. 
And, and so there's lots of areas to grow in, and we'll be continuing to train and go over that stuff uh, as we go forward. So we'll have another one in three or four months. And I uh, just invite you, come. Let, now you know that it's your responsibility to grow and to learn how to lead. So I'm expecting you to say, you know what, I need to be there. You know, I need to, I need to grow. And not just here. You need to see other, other areas of leadership as well. This is just... This is a basic uh, strategy and organization, all based on the word, and it'll be very beneficial to you. So, now we see uh, Moses there with his leadership team. We go on to the next uh, slide, our first picture of the ELT uh, here in the word. We go on to the next one, and this is what it should look like in our organization. Now, we have found uh, that the optimal leadership team has no more than five team members. Uh, it, you can have more or less, be led by God, pray, ask him for that spirit of wisdom. He'll show you exactly what to do. You can have more or less, but uh, through some people that have employed a lot of these things for uh, you know, many, many years and put them into practice, uh, they, have, they have definitely told me, and I believe that I see the wisdom in it, that it's good to kind of set a goal to have five people on this leadership team. It presents a good balance. And you have all of these leaders that they are uh, funneling information into this team. So one of the things that happens in this team is that you are going through closing the gap, the leadership process. So what you're doing is you're getting mental assent. You're passing on vision in this as the leader. If I'm sitting at the head of this table, I'm the CEO or the pastor, then I'm passing on vision to the team. Okay? So now they know where we're going. Now we're also, we're assessing the, the, we're facing reality and we're making, we're seeing crisis and we're seeing revelation so that we see the areas of change because we can't grow without change. Growth without change is impossible. So at this table, we are facing reality. When we see that reality, we are taking issues and problems, we're turning them into opportunities, we're talking back and forth. Now, there's some things about this team that I want to say. One of the things that's very important is that in this team, now, see, this team uh, in this room, it is, I am the pastor, uh, Jeff Lacello is on the ELT, Deb Aldridge, Barrett Qualey, and Nicole Wright is all a part of our ELT here. Now, in this room, you know, I may do something really stupid. They're not going to necessarily say it up here in front of everybody, but in that room, they have what we call safe harbor, okay? And safe harbor means that, in other words, there may be a storm, but they are safe from the storm. They can speak the truth. They know that. They know that there's not going to be repercussions and consequences for them telling their heart, and that's okay. Now, if they weren't mature with that, they also, I'm expecting them, anybody on that ELT particularly, to be emotionally mature. Okay? If they're not emotionally mature, they probably don't need to be on that leadership team to begin with. So uh, they're not walking in every time we have a meeting and they're blowing their top. If they're doing that, then they probably don't need to be on this team. But I'm giving them the ability to be real. You know? And there's things that you know, I've come out and said some things and everybody's like, mm, I don't know about that, Pastor. And then I've come out with some things and everybody's agreed. And I was like, Yay, we hit, hit, uh, hit a good base hit there. But sometimes, you know, they'll come up and say, you know what, Pastor, we need to change this. I don't, I don't know about that. And that is exactly what I want. I don't, if I don't give them safe harbor, and it's up to me to give them safe harbor as the leader, if I don't give them safe harbor, am I facing reality? 
Will I see the change then that needs to happen? No. So Safe Harbor is absolutely critical to this process where they have an ability to speak. Now, most of the time we see, uh, we hear about, you know, well, they need to submit to their pastor and, and this and that, and they do need to submit to their pastor. Ultimately, I have to make a decision, and I'm responsible for leading what God's given me to lead. And so I'm expecting them to back me up. But in most situations, I'm expecting them to be led by the Spirit, hear what God wants to, wants to say, and that all of us generally come to the place where we're all in agreement on every decision. We've made a choice that we're going to move in unanimity. In other words, we want everybody to be unanimous in thought, and we want to move forward. Uh, if somebody's got a problem, then we table it. Then we table that issue, we go back, we pray about it, and we bring it up at our next ELT meeting. So this, this table is incredibly powerful and strong, and it's a key to everything else working. I'm teaching them how to lead. And uh, here's one of the things, uh, you'll see these arrows. I am expecting them to bring something to the table. They walk in, they never have any ideas, they're never seeing anything, they never, they never are bringing any uh, plans, or they're never taking any action, then they probably shouldn't be on there. They probably shouldn't be there. I'm expecting them to take responsibility and action. You know, a lot of times in the natural world, we'll say, this is the place where we brainstorm. But remember back in the Proverbs process, we're not looking necessarily to fulfill our own needs. Who do we need to rely on to fill our needs? God. Who do we need to empower us at this table? We're seeking the leading of the Holy Spirit at this table. We're seeking not to come in our own logic. We're expecting the, we're coming to this table fully expecting in prayer and faith and expectation the Holy Spirit's going to come with us. He's going to empower us with what? Back to the Proverbs process. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of knowledge, right? He's going to empower us. We're expecting him to empower us. So we, we can say we're spirit storming. We're not brainstorming. We're not relying on our own brain logic and wisdom. We're relying on the Holy Spirit. We're relying on God in this room. Now, one of the things that happens here is, ultimately, this is a leadership team. But do you understand that you're going to need more teams? You remember when we looked at Moses in Exodus 18, he had the, the team that was over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. In other words, those teams started going where they, they uh, reached out and met the people where they were at. So in our, in our uh, structure, we have a team over the children, over the youth, we have a team over logistics or operations. Yay, Deb, we were having a discussion about operations. And uh, that's an inside joke. I'm sorry that y'all didn't get that. And uh, we had, we, what's the other uh, team? Because we just, we just restructured. Outreach. We have a team over outreach. And so all of these things, and we're constantly looking at that, looking at reorganizing. Right now we're in the middle of reorganizing everything. Well, under those things, under outreach, we have evangelism. We have uh, discipleship. We have another big major team uh, for adult ministry. Okay, uh, so we have the kids ministry, the youth ministry, and we have adult ministry. So under each one of these teams, guess what? Am I leading each one of these teams? No, I'm not. A member of this ELT is leading each one of these teams. They're responsible for that area, and they're responsible for building a team in that area. Well, under uh, 
you know, I don't remember which one it falls under. I think it's logistics or operations. Is uh, parking lot ministry? That's a we need a parking lot team. Okay, we need and we don't have to necessarily plan a whole lot of stuff in there, but we need a team. And so now we're getting into different types of teams. The first team is a building team. So let's just take uh, operations. Right here we see that a leader from the ELT, not the head leader, not the CEO, not the pastor, but a leader from that ELT then leads a building team. We're going to discuss what those are. And that, that building team leader is leading, let's say this one is operations. They will form their own team. They may have uh, five people to begin with, or they may have others, but they will start to build different teams. There's two types of teams, a building team and a functioning team, okay? A building team is going to basically do the plans, ideas, and recommendations. They're going to come up with that, and they're going to activate and mobilize. A functioning team is actually going to do the work. So this is how this operates. Then what happens is, like, say that this team is operations, what will happen is this team will get together, they'll come up with plans, they're going to bring that plan for how to run all of the operations, they're going to bring that plan back to the leadership team, the ELT, there we will approve it or we will send it back for uh, more work. All right, let's... let's uh, uh, look at this one more time. Let's come up with a little bit better way. Here's an issue possibly with it. And this is why it's important for Safe Harbor. Let's say that Deb is over operations. She goes and takes her operations plan uh, or takes her vision for operations to that building team. That building team comes up with a plan to run all of the operations in the church. And then they come back. If we don't have Safe Harbor at the ELT, then what happens is she comes in, there may be some glaring holes in there, but if we're all yes men at that ELT, then what are we doing? We're not facing reality. We're not seeing the change that's necessary. Excellence is going to be lost. And what does that mean? That means the kingdom is not built properly. So it's very important for us to have these pieces in place. Safe harbor, emotional maturity. Okay, let's look at the different kinds of teams. We'll break them down a little bit different. Here you have the three different teams that I've mentioned. Now, let me ask you this. Is the ELT, well, I'll ask that in a minute. You have up here the leader or the pastor or the CEO. He is overseeing the ELT, the executive leadership team. Now, one of those leaders will start to lead a building team. And that building team, you can see, is represented in the, in the dark blue with the stars, those members. And then that building team, you will have a leader that leads the functioning team. Now, some of those members from the building team may actually work in the functioning team. They may not. But they could. the functioning team, they are the doers. They are, they are where uh, the boots meet the ground. They are, they're the ones out there. They're hands-on. Okay? This, uh, this would be, in essence, this would be believers, and the building team would be similar to deacons or elders. Okay? And then, but it could be either way depending on what team you have going there. But this is the touch. You remember the deacons in Acts 6 that we read, they were the ones who actually touched and served the tables, but then they eventually moved on to overseeing it. This is exactly what we do. We employ people in the functioning teams in the doing, and as the Lord leads, we move them up to different areas 
where, they, where God gives us wisdom, the spirit of wisdom for, and then they start moving up into the building team and then maybe possibly even into the ELT. And you know what happens if somebody is still called and God has a calling and a purpose? They may separate out into a whole other ministry or a whole other organization. And now they have the, the foundation for building a successful organization. So let me ask this question now. Is the ELT, do you think the ELT is a building team or a functioning team? Both? Building team. That's correct. It's a building team. It's not a, it's not a functioning team. It's not putting hands on the issue. It's coming up with plans, ideas, and recommendations and putting those into action. So those are the different kinds of teams. Now let's look at what's called the Timothy process. And the Timothy process... And you can, you can apply, remember, you can apply all of this stuff to the church or any organization, okay? In the church, we would say God sends people through the front door, okay? God sends people your way. In an organization, he may send customers and workers or, you know, employees to your door. Either way, God's sending people your way. As a leader, what's our responsibility to those people? To give them value right? Our job is to make them more valuable in the kingdom. It's to make them more valuable for God. In the workplace, it's to make them more valuable for God. It's the same thing. We're to make them more valuable in every way. We're to raise them up to make them more valuable in every area of their life. The Timothy process here, we want to basically take everybody that God sends us and start them into a process, put them into the pipeline of discipleship, of coaching, teaching, training, and mentorship. And so during the process, we tweak, we help them, we help them grow, we help them lead, and they come out the other side a saint. Well, not, not quite, maybe, probably not. But they come out better than they were before, and uh, that's what we want. The Timothy process. The Timothy process comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. It says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. These, and I want you to pay attention to the underlines, these things which you have heard from me, in other words, all this stuff that you've learned from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these, entrust what? These things, entrust these things you've learned, to who? To faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what you see here is a picture of discipleship. You notice that it doesn't say entrust these things uh, to just everybody. No. We start putting people into the process and we watch and see who's faithful. Those faithful men rise up to become the leaders. In other words, they'll start on the functioning team, but that doesn't mean that they're faithful yet. We're going to watch. We're going to see, are they faithful? You know, are they faithful people? Do they continue to do what's asked them? Do they show up on time when they're scheduled? Do they, do they perform in excellence? Do they love on people? Are they faithful to the things of God? And those people that are faithful, our job, according to the Lord, is to take them and continue to grow to the place where they now are able to teach other people. So the Timothy process is to take everybody, start putting them into the pipeline of God's discipleship. All right, of correction and, and teaching and training and start putting them into that pipeline so that they can come out a better person with more value on the other side. If you'll look, you'll see in the next slide, our job is to make people more valuable. 
And you'll see at the bottom, this is going to be an important set of uh, letters here. C-T-T-M, coach, teach, train, and mentor. This is what happens in the Timothy process. They, we coach them, we teach them, we train them, and we mentor them. We're teaching them how to be a better leader. But you know, one of the biggest things, you know, God didn't tell us to go and win souls by itself in the Great Commission. He said, go and make disciples, right? Well, that means that we're coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring people. And as we mentor them, if they're a disciple, if they're disciplined after Christ, are they born again? Yes. And God knew this, and we talked about evangelism versus discipleship not too long ago. We want to make sure that we are doing our job to fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciplined people after the example of Christ. CTTM, coach, teach, train, and mentor. Every person that comes into your organization needs to be put into the pipeline to become a responsible and more valuable person. They need to be plugged in to the vision of your organization. This is what you're looking for. If God has placed them in your organization, if God's placed them in your organization, then he placed them there to help your organization or your church fulfill its vision. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Or God didn't place them there. It's there to fulfill the vision of your church or your organization. And so everybody that comes in, we are coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring. We're making them more valuable just in general. But ultimately, if God has placed them there and they're at the right place, then they are there with a purpose. And that purpose is to help you, to help support you and the vision of your organization. Now, if you let's say that you're just a leader of a building team, then if they, they find themselves and God's placed them on your building team or in your functioning team, they are there to support the vision of that team. Okay? So whatever you find yourself leading, if God has placed them, you need to make sure that you're starting to connect them because the first step of leadership, remember, is mental ascent. It's what we know. It's where we know we're supposed to go. We've got to recognize those things. Well, the first step for your guy that you're discipling or training is to know where he's supposed to go, to pass on that vision and get him connected to that vision. It's very important. Okay, next slide. You'll see this in the Timothy process. We take them, we put them into the Timothy process pipeline, we coach them, teach them, train them, mentor them, they come out the other side and almost saint, and then they find themselves being placed in a functioning team. Now listen, because it's your vision that God's given you and they're becoming a part of your vision because he's placed them there, it's your brand Okay, this is something very important to recognize and understand. It's your brand, it's your vision that God sent them to support. All right, and if you feel uncomfortable about having a vision or having a brand that God's given you, then you probably need to recheck whether or not God actually gave you one. If you feel uncomfortable, well, I don't feel comfortable talking to them about my brand and my vision then did God really give you one? Are you in the right place? And that's important to recognize. This is facing reality. And this might be why you're not growing. Now, the other part is that you're 
you have to understand that if you're in that vision and God's given it to you, then it's something that's important to God. And if He has placed somebody in your team, in your organization, then He's placed them there. And when they are obedient to that, what follows obedience? The blessing of God. So their destiny is wrapped up in your brand, in your vision. Their destiny is wrapped up in that, at least for the time that God's allotted them to be there. So this is a very important concept to understand, that it's your brand, your vision, but it's their destiny. And so when people connect with you, you need to realize that they're not just connecting for your vision alone, they're connecting so that they can reach their destiny. Because this may be just a stepping stone for them, but it's an important part of the process. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's go, and now we get into something that's incredibly important. This is the RPM power meter. RPM, response per mandate. God's given you mandates. God's given you vision. What's your response? How much power are you putting out? How much productivity? How much efficiency? You'll see on here you've got three different areas. You've got doing, managing, and leading. And the truth is, the majority of us have been operating in the doing, and probably not as high as that needle was pointing right there. We have to understand that in leadership, we're not able to move into the full power and efficiency and productivity of God without leadership. We've got to get uh, our mindset away from just the doing, away from just the managing, and into the leading. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't put your hand on stuff. I can tell you, I put my hand on this PowerPoint presentation a lot this week. It, there was a lot of, so I was doing things, all right? But this was part of the preparation. It was part of the anointing and, and call for me to lead and teach this. This was a part of my leading, okay? I'm... I'm doing it this portion so that I can grow and learn and present to you something that will help lead you. So this is a part of leading. So just because you're leading doesn't mean that you sit around in the, the big boss chair all day and tell people what to do. They're still doing that happens. But it doesn't mean that, like what we talked about earlier, I wasn't the one who made the coffee that turned on the lights, that turned on the heat. I wasn't the one who's who's behind the computer and behind the camera. I wasn't the one who got that. I, why? Because I can't do what God called me to do to lead and do all of that too. I can tell you this week it was not possible. It was not possible because there just wasn't enough time to get it all done. You have to have a team. So we need to make sure that we are thinking and moving out of the doing area and into the managing, and then into the leading. And God will step you through this process. And you know what? Right now, there are people in certain areas that are called to be the doers. And that's okay. And you know what? Some of them are you. And that's okay. But our idea is to grow in leadership so that we continue to move. Because I want to you to grow into management and leading, and now you're overseeing the team. And now let's say that you have a team, and let's just say that there's five people on it functioning. I've got now five times the doing going on, because you've learned how to lead. This is important to understand. Growth without change is impossible. You'll notice in the doing, this is a low output. It's a minimum. But in the leading, you have the high output. It's a maximum. You'll see that in the doing, that is micromanagement. 
But in the leading, it's macro management. You're looking at the big picture. So these are some concepts that go along with doing or managing or leading. So if, if you are the leader in the doing, listen to this, if you are the leader in the doing area, you are robbing God's people from using their gifts. If I'm supposed to be leading and I get into the doing area, there's gifts that God's people have to sow and I'm robbing them of that. And listen to this. ELT, other building teams, other doers. If you're allowing your leader to do that, you're assisting in the robbery. Yeah. They need to sow their gifts and reap the fruit that it will produce. You know, the Lord does ask people to do things. And it's okay for them to do them. I've shared this story multiple times. There was a period of time where the Lord asked me, I was, I was heading into being a pastor of, of a church, and the Lord asked me to start scrubbing the toilets. He asked me to be a doer and put my hand on it. And I was obedient to do that. Now, I'm not going to tell you that my flesh and my logic just all went along with that. I was having to deal with that and deal with the pride and the ego and all of that stuff. You know, here I am scrubbing toilets. I'm supposed to be leading the church. But you know what? That was the right thing for me to do. God will ask people to do things. And when he asks them to do it, the best thing they can do is do it. And that's okay. There are doers. And I'm a doer. You know, you have to understand that I'm a doer in one area because God Christ has asked me as the head of the body to pastor a church. So I'm hands-on pastoring. I'm in the doing area of pastoring. He's in the leading area. So you see how this all works. I'm doing exactly. But I have to understand that in growing in leadership, that I'm moving everybody, you included, from the doing to managing and leading. We're growing in these things. Here's a, let me give you an example. This is one that Pastor JB had. Uh, have y'all ever been to an orchestra, right? And uh, so before the leader steps out, before the orchestra uh, conductor steps out, right, there's everybody's warming up, right? Bing, bong, ping, 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 ping. You know, it sounds horrible. It's just like noise, right? It's just and all these different pieces playing at one time. But when a leader takes his position and he follows the proper procedures and process, everybody goes, mm. and then they start playing music beautifully because they have a leader. But let's say, and I don't know that I can do this as good as Pastor JB, but let's say that uh, uh, Larry is our, is our triangle dinger, all right, dinger. And so he's new, and, uh, and, and so I'm up here leading, and, uh, and so I go oh, like this, and the music starts playing, and then I hear the ding, and it's just a second off. And I'm like, and, and I say, golly, and if I do right, I'm going to coach, teach, train, and mentor. But so many leaders walk out of the leadership and into the doing because they're like, no, you don't do it, just sit back, you can't do it like I do. Ding! You're not as glamorous as I am. 
So what happens is, what's happening during that process? Where's the leader? So when a leader steps out of his leading position and into the doing, the whole group is void of a leader. Can there be a beautiful symphony of the work of God going on? No. It has to have a leader. In other words, I can't see because it's happening at the wrong time or maybe you just don't put as much pizzazz as I do uh, that I'm going to uh, step out of my leadership position. And let me give you a good example of this. Let's say that God's raising up a uh, preacher in, in Boomerang or in your church. My job is to coach, teach, train, and mentor. Well, he might get up there and he might, be a little, he might not be quite as uh, emphatic as I am. He might not have as much uh, personality as I do. Maybe he's got too much personality. And so I shut him down and I don't lead. I don't coach, teach, train, or mentor. Am I adding value to his life? Am I adding value to the congregation by stepping out of my leadership? You see? It's important that we lead, coach, teach, train, and mentor so that we can produce the highest output possible. At this low point here in the organization, uh, the, the organization at this low output level, when the leader is in the doing area, the, at, the organization is dysfunctional at best. Number one, the leader loses the intimacy with God. You remember the example of the disciples uh, where they brought deacons on? And they had deacons serving? Well, what was happening to the leaders? They were losing their time with God and intimacy with God because they had, they had stepped out of the position of leading and into the doing. They needed to build a team. They needed to build that up. So if a leader is out of position, the organization is dysfunctional at best. A leader, number one, here's some things that happen. A leader loses his intimacy with God. Major mistakes are made when a leader is not present. Number three, major opportunities are missed. And number four, leaders are not developed. So how important is it for us to keep in our leadership role and to stay in position? So let's look at the next slide and add a little bit more detail here. We are always seeking to take this and turn the dial from the doing and the low minimum output over into the high maximum output. We want to always be pushing that needle so that we get maximum production and efficiency for the kingdom of God. You know, God gave us an investment in Christ. And he deserves, if anybody does, he deserves the highest return on his investment. And that means that we have to step up to the plate and allow God to lead us and grow in leadership. So we need to turn this and move this dial from the doing to the managing and over into the leading. You'll see here that I've added a couple of things. that The doing tab. You see over in the doing, what does that represent? It represents the functioning teams. The managing, that represents the building teams. And then the CEO, pastor, or leader represents the leading. Now, you have different things. You have in the managing, in the building teams, they operate on a team 
job description that we're getting ready to go over. And then the leader operates on a CEO job description. You need to understand what your job description is and change that. Now, in our situation earlier when we talked about the building teams and the functioning teams, remember we, we said that Deb might be overseeing the operations team. So at that point, when Deb steps into the operations team and she has her building team there, she steps from being a building team in the ELT over into the leader. Now her job description changes. It goes from a team job description on the ELT to a CEO or a leader job description on that building team. Okay? It's important to know that as you step into that, your job description changes. So let's look now at job descriptions. You have two job descriptions. One is the CEO and one is the team. The CEO job description, I would, I would advise you to get to know these. Think about these. Meditate on them. Remember them in your day-to-day -day activities because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where it's really going to make a difference. So the number one thing that the CEO or the leader or the pastor needs to do or, or the boss of a company is provide direction, provide vision. That's their number one description. Provide vision and direction. Number two, they obtain and review PI and R, which is plans, ideas, and recommendations. There's a period missing after the R. I don't know who in the world missed that. They're fired. They are job number two, job description, obtain and review plans, ideas, and recommendations. Number three, they commission the plan when it's ready and the work, or they redirect it. Number four, they provide resources for their success, for the team's success. CTTNM, coach, teach, train, and mentor them. And number five, they obtain evaluation and mandate accountability. In other words, they go through, they receive an evaluation on what happened, and then they make sure that people are held accountable for that because without that, you're not facing reality. And without that, you're not having change, and without change, you're not having growth. And without growth, now, the team job description is, number one, protect the anointing. This would be in a job situation or in a uh, business. This would be protect the integrity and the production of the organization. In other words, don't do something in it. Let's say it's a, a, a company. Don't do something that's going to cost the company sales. Don't do something that's going to hijack a plan and kill it. Don't do something that's going to throw it off track. Same thing in a church. Don't do something that's going to throw off the production and efficiency of that church. You want to protect it. In other words, let's say that Pastor Mike is getting ready for his Sunday morning service. He doesn't need a deacon coming in there telling him that there's a leak in the bathroom. He doesn't need that. Why? Because he's focused on the spiritual meal that he's about to serve. That's his job. That's his, he's about to serve up vision and, and you don't need to come in there and tell him about the leak in the bathroom behind the toilet that nobody saw for six months. But now all of a sudden, you've got to hear about this, Pastor Mike. Our job is to protect that anointing, protect the production of the organization. Now, 
Uh, what I want to add to that is some, some leaders can try and take that too far. It's like, don't talk to me. Nobody can talk to me. I'm, I am from God. I am here on a mission. I'm on a mission from God. Don't talk to me. That, that is not, you know, you're here. What are we here for? We're here to give value to people. Now, there's a time. There's times that are good. There's times that are bad. When would he need to hear an, a report? It is part of his job description to obtain evaluation and mandate accountability. So maybe in the ELT, maybe, I, I doubt this would even need to be brought up, he hears about the leak, and he hears about how it's already fixed because the teams that were in place and over, over the grounds took care of it and fixed it. And he says, well, did it do good? Because he mandates accountability. That's part of his job. Did it, was it handled in the right time and with excellence? Yes, it was. Praise God. No, it wasn't. Okay, what can we do to change that? Let's, let's face reality here. Let's make sure that it gets changed. See how everything is rising as we go through these processes. So the team, number one, job description, protect the anointing. Number two, do what it takes to accomplish vision. Do what it takes to accomplish vision. In other words, hey, let's stop making excuses. Stop acting like we have options to do this or not do it. Let's do what it takes to accomplish the vision. Number three, they create, they think and create plans, ideas, and recommendations. They seek the Lord. They do the spirit storming at their table. They come up with plans, ideas, and recommendations. And then you'll see over in the CEO job description where he reviews them and then commissions that work, right? And then once that work is done, the team reports the pulse. Or they keep, they, it, you can just put pulse there. And let me say this statement. They see that methods, systems, procedures, and procedures of reporting are put in place and adhered to so that the CEO or leader has a pulse on the organization. In other words, they need to keep him up to date. He may need to hear whether or not that thing got fixed properly or not. He needs to have his pulse. He doesn't need to be in the dark. A lot of times, we had a situation not too long ago where I, I was in, in several areas being kept in the dark, and I really didn't have a pulse, and I didn't know it. And part of it was because we needed to change some of the methods and systems and procedures that were in place. And because of that, there was a disconnection that people were feeling, and I was feeling a disconnection, and it was because I was in the dark. I didn't have my finger on the pulse. Now, it happened because of somebody else's doing, but everything rises and falls on leadership. It happened because I didn't have the proper stuff in place. I didn't lead the proper stuff. Does that make sense? All right. So now we go back, and when we start actually doing our job description, we go back and our RPM meter is, is pegging. Now it's producing. We want to hold it there all the time. We want to lead in, in the highest productivity. We want it to sit over there in the highest response per mandate that God gives us. Now let's look at how to rate performance. This is a really neat chart and a really good thing to know. You see results and behavior. Now if you're have a 10 in behavior and a 10 in results, you're Jesus. So praise God. So, but uh, I'm pretty sure that all of us ain't hitting that quite yet. So we're somewhere else. But we want to push everything towards that direction. This is a great way to evaluate a lot of things. 
You can rate anything. Let's just look at this. How was your last year? How was 2014? What were the results? You know? What were the results in 2014? Did you have good results? On a 10, I mean 10 being Jesus, where would you rate them? It's a time to face reality. Don't play with this. You want to, you want to be truthful. Where was your 2014? What results did you have? You know, I, I would say our results, we had lots of results, but could they have gotten better? I might rate what we were capable of and what we produced. Maybe I would rate Boomerang at results as a five. And some people might say, well, that's low, Pastor Brian. Well, I'm being honest because I need to change. I want to change because I want to grow. I think we could do better. I think because we didn't have proper leadership in place early on, we're still fixing some stuff and we got room to grow. Well, how was our behavior? Well, we had overall in, at Boomerang, we had some good behavior and we had some bad behavior. So maybe our behavior was a six. So if our, our, our uh, results were a five and our behavior was a six, we're hitting over here. Well, that's like the fourth level here. We, wanna, we want to improve that. So we just found out, we kind of looked at our year. Well, do things, we're looking at it, we're prioritizing, we're recognizing where we're at. We're closing that gap. Do we have some things to work on and change? Yes, we do. What else can you look in here? You can take a project. You know? For example, this year we had a project where we were at the Stanley County Fair and we were just loving on people. The results were pretty great. The behavior was pretty great. In this project, we probably, this event, we probably landed somewhere up in here, you know, which is awesome. So we want to look at what went right. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? Because we don't, just because we're in that blue area doesn't mean that we want to stay there. We want to keep on pushing. You can also look at events. You can look at teams. What are their results? What's their behavior? You can look at individuals. You can look at your kids, etc. You can rate all kinds of things on this and give you an idea. This helps you face reality when you start charting it and putting it on paper. So here's a situation. Um, in the next slide, uh, I, we, were, we had some uh, people that we were dealing with at one point, and it was so funny because they were, it was a couple, and one of the couple, uh, man, they would get stuff done. Oh, my goodness. You put them on a task, it would happen, right? It was awesome. I mean, I would rate them uh, probably, a, probably an eight, right? But their behavior, yeah, not so great right? And so even though they got so much done, there was so much potential that they had naturally, but because they had never faced reality on their behavior, they placed out here. And then the other person, uh, uh, the same couple, man, their behavior was off the charts. It was awesome. Like this is, you know, it's like, do you talk to Jesus 24-7 or what? I mean, their behavior was great. But every time we asked them to do something, it would maybe get done. So their results was not very good. So again, they might be a little bit better, but they're, not, they're still not where they needed to be. It was so funny that you had this in one couple and they were the exact opposite. What we want to do is we want to chart, okay, where's our behavior? And where's our results? Where are we at? And we want to constantly press 
towards Jesus in everything we do, in every team, in every functioning team, every building team. And you can use these charts to help graph and put, and actually see these kind of things help the pastor or the leader have a pulse on the ministry. Hey, here's where we're at. Here's why. Here's the reason for this behavior. Here's the reason for this, this result. Here's what needs to change. Here's what we did good. Okay? We have some tools that we went over where we debrief on big projects where we make sure what went right, what went wrong, what could have improved, you know, all of that stuff. It helps you plan and chart so that you can face reality. Now let's look at responding to mandates. So here's the funnel of your ministry, of your organization, of your stuff. Here's the funnel. And you have all these mandates from God, all this vision from God in your workplace. Maybe it's your job. Maybe God's given you a lot of responsibility. And have you ever noticed that there's always more stuff to do than gets done? Anybody feel like that? And why is that? Because there's a large constriction at the bottom. Generally, you're trying to always push that through one person. And this is absolutely why we need teams. If you go to the next one, here's what happens. Those mandates keep coming. Why? Because God's expecting you to do what you're called to do. He's expecting you to operate in the potential that you have. You think he's going to stop vision completely because you're not getting it done right? You think, let me ask you this way. Do you think that God wants to remove you out of your destiny? Now do you see why? They're going to keep on. He's going to keep, he doesn't want you to lose anything of your destiny or your purpose so the mandates keep coming now he may have to slow them down if you don't respond you don't react he may have to he may have to slow them down but what happens when the mandates keep coming and you're not producing you're not you don't have that meter pegged over to the side because you're not leading those mandates overflow and it just creates a mess and your production is at a minimal so what do we have to do in the next slide, you'll see what we have to do is widen the funnel. We have to widen the uh, mandate's ability to move through more people. We have to establish those teams. It's very important for us to do that. We need to respond. In the next slide, you'll see, see this where the pastor and the CEO is. I need to widen that funnel by adding people to that ELT. Now as I add people to the ELT, that, those mandates can flow through many more people that now they know how to do the exact same thing. Once we have learned this leadership, we're teaching them to do the exact same thing. What are we doing? We are CTTM, coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring and showing them how to do the exact same thing in their teams. Here's what we need to do. We need to delegate, empower, and in trust. I don't know about trusting some of the people I got, Brian. I get that. You know what? Once you get into this, you're going to find out that you probably need to change some people out. Because some people are not emotionally mature and they're not responsible. You take it back to that uh, results chart and rate them and you'll find out they are not where they need to be and they don't need to be on your leadership team. Matter of fact, I think really that's a lot of what God was up to last year was reorganizing and restructuring stuff because I've heard it from a bunch of people. And why is he trying to do that? Because you have a mission. You have a mandate. You have a destiny and a purpose. And he wants you to get it done. And he wants that person to get it done too because if they're out of place or they're in some kind of rebellion in that place, 
then not only are you not fulfilling your destiny, but they're not fulfilling theirs either, and that correction needs to happen as well. So change in that area and removing leaders at times, that's right. I heard recently I was listening, we were going over some things about growing and uh, uh, breaking containment. Have you ever been in a situation where you just felt like you were contained? I can't seem to break this. Maybe in an organization can't seem to break these numbers. And one of the big statements was, just because the people that are with you got you there doesn't mean that they're the ones to take you to the next level. Now, that sounds harsh, but isn't our responsibility to grow and change and not bury our potential and our talent? Then that person, who's the person that's not going to be able to help take you to the next level? Either somebody that God has positioned in another place, and this, but this one's the more likely or somebody that stopped growing. You're called to grow, and if they stop growing, they're a restriction. So sometimes people get moved out of place because they stopped growing. And you know what? The best thing they can do is get moved out of place because they can't go anywhere else or fulfill anything else until they change that attitude. They're going to stagnate. You remember the stair steps at the beginning? They're going to stagnate there. Well, you're called to go on whether they stagnate or not. Because you have your destiny and your purpose. That doesn't mean that you just leave them in the dust and never think about them anymore. Just because they stop growing doesn't mean that coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring stops. Or love. Love doesn't stop either. So, one of the things that we have to do is delegate, empower, and entrust. Listen, how do we help build better teams? We do it through coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring, and delegating, empowering, and entrusting. Listen to that again. How do we build better teams? Those two areas right there. This is delegating. Delegating gives them the right to participate. You need to give people the right to participate in what God has for them. Empowering gives them the right to contribute. You remember we were talking earlier about not leading people, we're robbing them. This is some of the ways. Entrusting. This gives them the right to be faithful. We need to open up these areas in their life by delegating, empowering, and entrusting them. And this is also how you build teams. When we do that, you go to the next slide, we end up pegging the RPMs. Now we're producing a maximum output. Now let's look at proper CPR. We just got a couple more things. It's a lot of information, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a lot there. This is, this is probably one of the most important, important and exciting ones on here, although it may not see, seem that way at the beginning. But I believe there's a lot that is missed in the kingdom of God because this principle right here is missed. This is proper CPR or proper communication. Now, have you ever noticed that between you and God... Isn't it right for you to have proper communication between you and God? Isn't that right? And CPR stands for Communicate, Partnership, and Relationship. It's proper for you to have communication with God. We see in the Word that God wanted to partner with mankind. He was God with us. Not just God you know, looking on from the sideline. He was God involved with us. He became one of us. 
And God went to Abraham and talked to him. He didn't have to ask Abraham anything. He went to Adam and said, will you partner with me and name these animals? He didn't have to have Adam do that. God longs to partner with us. That's a big thing he's been talking to me about. So here's the other thing. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be the loving daddy that he is. And you know what? It's right for us, the leader in us and God, to have proper CPR, communication, partnership, and relationship. It's just as right for that person to have proper CPR. So a lot of times, you know, a lot of times in leadership, we're like, well, you go do this, and, and you, don't, you, know, you don't need to talk with God about it because I said it. I've heard that several times. And, and there's a truth to that. They do need to submit to leadership in a way. But if I'm coaching, teaching, training, and mentoring, I'm also teaching them how to hear from God so that they can be the leader that God wants them to be. And so I'm helping them to learn how to hear. And when they come back, have you talked to God? Okay, here's what I think. All right, here's why I think that's off. Here's why I think that's on. It gives me the ability to help disciple during that process. Now they're learning how to have proper CPR with God themselves. So it's absolutely right for a team member to have that proper CPR too. Here's where the disconnect is. Because so many times you never see proper CPR between the leader and the team member. And see, God said this, this is in Galatians 3.8, he said that God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, through you all the nations will be blessed, or through you all the people will be blessed. In Galatians 3 it also says that you are blessed with faithful Abraham. So the blessing to help bless other people flows through you the same way it did through Abraham and, and even if you go into John 17, the same way that he wanted it to flow through Christ, and it did, he wants that to flow through you. Well, that involves people communicating and being in unity. In other words, if there's a disconnect here, then all of a sudden there's a disconnect in the whole leadership plan and structure. It's not right for us to be acting like two different islands out in the middle of the ocean. We're supposed to be on the same island. And let me ask you this. This is, this is a revelation that I had. How many people have ever had God answer you and answer your prayers in some form or fashion, be it direct or indirect? How many people have ever had that? Amen. Most everybody. All right. Let me ask you this question. Where would you place it on a scale of 1 to 100%? Where would you place it that it came through people? Most every time, I'd say 90, 95%, and even the times when it didn't come through people directly, like I'm hearing something from God, generally came from somebody that preached something, so it still came through a person that was communicating with God. Why? Because God's plan in the gospel is to bring the blessing through people. And if we're missing communication, CPR, between us and other people, or us and other churches, what we're missing out on is generally the majority of the way that God's going to bring answers into people's lives. It's very, very important. So if we go to the next, uh, next slide, it shows that we need to not let that be broken. One of the things that I look for in leadership the most is for somebody that says, uh, I, if I start hearing this, then it's a big red flag to me. Oh, you don't need to hear about this. I'm sorry, if it deals with the vision and the mission, I have a right to hear about it all. You know? 
We, I've, I've had several situations where people have said, you know, well, don't tell pastor about this, you know. And, and you might think that doesn't happen. It happens all the time. You know, you, he doesn't need to hear about this. Yeah, I really do. It doesn't mean I need to hear it right before I go speak a message. <laughs> but I probably do need to hear about it. Communication is huge and a big, big key. And matter of fact, a lot of times I'll, I'll feel like I over-communicate, but I want people to know, hey, I heard you, I understood what you said, I got it, thank you. A lot of times I'm the last one to say something in a conversation simply because I'm giving the okay or the thumbs up. I want to make sure that I communicate that, I, that you communicated, you know. I want to make sure that that communication is clear. Well, once you start finding that those communication lines are very, very open, all of a sudden you start moving into a whole other level of leadership. And it's one where we want to make sure that that stays open. Proper CPR is this. Number one, safe harbor. You've got to give people an area that says, hey, you can even tell me the bad stuff. That's okay. Uh, Jeff and I had a conversation not too long ago, Jeff's on the ELT, and, and he had some stuff that he was praying over and figuring out. He knew that, to me, it might look negative. But because of Safe Harbor, he came to me and said, hey, I need to talk to you about this stuff. And you know what? Here's what happened. As soon as we started talking about it together and communication, the blessing of God came into that, and the light started shining. I think we had... It was the next day you said, actually it was that day you started feeling release of some of the junk that the devil was trying to put on you. And it all came down to having proper CPR. But here's the thing, there's so many leaders that are in a position, it's like, you feel like if you bring bad news, oh, watch out. You about to, you know, that's why everybody when Pastor JB had that thing and they told him he was wrong and everybody went like this, they, they just knew they were going to see a head roll, you know, after they told him the bad news. But they didn't because he provides safe harbor too. We need to make sure in proper CPR that we have, number one, safe harbor. Number two, ask questions. I have a list of questions uh, to ask that are really helpful in different situations. You know, like you notice that Jesus asked questions. Why are you afraid? Which is easier? Do you believe? Will you give me a drink? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was helping them come to their own revelation, helping them come to their own resolve on issues. Ask questions. It's a really good thing in communication and partnership and relationship. I have a sheet, a full list of uh, questions. You can have that one, Mike. Number three, listen. Really listen. As a leader, if you're starting to think about what you're going to say whenever they stop talking, you ain't listening. <laughs> I used to do that really, really bad. You're not esteeming anything that they're saying. You just can't wait till they get finished so you can say what you think is important, what you have to say. The moment you stop listening and start thinking about what you're going to say, you're not really listening. You need, if you're a proper leader, you're going to listen. I know the Lord told me, he said, you need to stop thinking at all when you're talking to somebody and just listen to what they're saying. Let them talk. Now there's a time, right before service, is not the time to come up and talk about you know, how your kitty cat you know, stayed outside all night and all the problems that are associated with that right before I go and serve the meal. There's times for it, and it, I'll talk to you later. Man, I love you. 
but Pastor Larry, your kitty cat be all right, and I'll talk to you in a few minutes, okay? You don't have a cat, do you? No, no good, yes. <laughs> Number four, absolute honesty. And, and hey, look, there's a timing for honesty, like the ELT. They, I want them to be honest with me, but I don't want them to be honest with me in the middle of a service because whether they're right or wrong is almost assuredly going to throw somebody off from what God's doing in their life. There's timing there. Absolute honesty is awesome. And we need to be absolute honesty. But there is timing, so keep that in mind. If you look at uh, the second one, the ask questions, it's very important. Why do we ask questions? Because your team, your team has several things that you want. They have wise counsel. They have facts. They have background, experience. Ideas, put up that next slide please. They have perspective, they have knowledge, they have all of these things. You are not the only one with perspective. You are not the only one with facts. You're not the only one with wise counsel. I know it seemed like that. I know God has blessed you and you are some kind of anointed, but you ain't the only one. Other people are loved by God just as much as you. And their perspective, their background brings a balance so that you can operate in excellence. And it's important to hear it. You want to make sure you ask questions. Jesus asked questions. He, he drew them into their own discovery and revelation. Ask questions. Get feedback. What would you do different? Why should we do it this way? Do not ask judgmental, harsh questions. What kind of knucklehead thought that was a good idea? Don't, don't do that. And now we'll look. You remember the, uh, man, I said we were going to try and get out by 12, and we are on it. Praise God. Now we're going to look at the process. The last, you remember in the, uh, you remember in the job descriptions? Let's see if I, yep. In the job descriptions, it said that we were to review the leader was to provide vision and direction. So this is a flow chart on the process of team workflow and communication. It starts right here, and it ends right here. So right here, the leader provides vision and direction to the team. Then the team creates plans, ideas, and recommendations. The leader reviews the plans, ideas, and recommendations. And then they ask this question. Are the plans, ideas, and recommendations ready to go? If it's a no, then they go back and they redirect the plan to the team. They provide maybe some more vision and direction on that. Now I want to, this is what we're called to do. I want to kind of shape it this way maybe a little bit more. I see an error here where we could really miss something. Uh, here's the vision and direction. It goes back to the team. They go back. They continue to create plans, ideas, and recommendations. The leader reviews the plan. Then he says, is it ready? When it gets ready, then he'll commission the plan. He'll give resources to the plan. He'll give, he'll give time. He'll mobilize. Remember, our job is to close the gap. Now we're mobilizing. We're moving. We're closing the gap. And then the team carries out the plan. 
They take the plan and carry it out. Then, this is a very important step, the leader doesn't evaluate. The team evaluates. The team was there. They know what happened. It's not the leader's job to go out and figure out what happened. The team evaluates performance, and then they take that performance back to the leader, and he obtains the evaluation, and then they have the ability to start the process over on any changes that they may need. Very helpful workflow there. The last, uh, last couple of slides, five dysfunctions of a team. This is based on a book by Patrick Lindsay only. I think, I haven't read it uh, myself yet. I hear that it's got some, maybe some language in it. It's a secular book, but there's some good points in there about dysfunctions of a team. Number one, dysfunction of a team is absence of trust. What if there's not safe harbor? What if you don't allow absolute honesty? They can't trust you to have a, be emotionally mature. Well, all of a sudden people get afraid of risk and gifts and talents are not used. So the team is dysfunctional. They're afraid of, of hey, if I mess up, he's going to blow up. You know, and all of a sudden things are not happening. You're not changing, you're not growing. Number two dysfunction, fear of conflict. If you have, number two, if you have fear of conflict, what happens? Oh, yeah, I think that's a great plan, Pastor Larry. Don't you think that's awesome, Pastor Mike? And Pastor Mike and I are going, no, that's not a great plan at all. And so what you have is you have an artificial harmony until that plan goes bad. Then all of a sudden you got two people going, I knew that wasn't going to work. That was a bunch of mess from the get-go because there's a fear of conflict. You've got to be emotionally mature and be willing to talk about things. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to happen. I was in a leadership meeting not too long ago, and I was the only one that was actually talking truth that I could tell that was giving that truth out. And it was like, golly, this is a major key in teams functioning properly. But everybody was like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. No, you've got to have a fear, no fear of conflict so that you have a proper harmony, so that you can come together and work out what bugs may be there beforehand. Number three, five dysfunctions of a team. Lack of commitment. Lack of commitment causes things to be, uh, become unclear or cloudy because priorities are mismatched. What if I'm very much committed to something and somebody else is not committed to something? Well, I'm headed in a direction and they're wondering where are we going. And so everything becomes very cloudy and you don't have... who. In other words, now all of a sudden you've got one ox pulling the cart and so the load is much heavier, the production's not there, everything, everything becomes cloudy, there's confusion, and it's all because of a lack of commitment. Number four, dysfunction of a team is an avoidance of responsibility. Number four is it produces low standards when we avoid responsibility, and it produces a just-get-by attitude. We don't want to just get by, we want to excel in victory and triumph for Christ. Amen? Number five, it, the dysfunction of a team is inattention to results. This builds an improper ego, not judging yourself properly. It's like, oh yeah, we're doing good. It's like when I rated 2014 for Boomerang. Well, if, if I didn't pay attention to results and behavior, then all of a sudden I'm, oh yeah, we hit eights on both of those. It was an awesome year. It was so great. 
Now I think we did something good when we actually didn't. And now it builds, it's a natural way to build pride and ego which will completely sap all of your spiritual power. So, in a lack of commitment also, uh, number three, uh, it makes it unclear and cloudy as to what is going to happen and results become hard to find. Um, now let's go to the last slide. Yay. Or next to last. <laughs> Where are you? I asked you at the beginning to rate yourself. So now after sitting through this, realizing that it's time to face reality and let's really rate yourself. Where would you say you are? John Maxwell says this. He says that on a scale of 1 to 10 in leadership, most pastors are 4s. Here's the thing. 4s can only lead other 4s, 3s, 2s, and 1s. And so because they're not learning how to lead, God can't send them people until they grow. Same thing with every leader. But I ask you, rate yourself. Where is it? You know, results, behavior? Where is it now? I know when I first did this, I think I put a, like a 7 or 8, 6, 7 or 8 the first time. And by the time I got done sitting through a basic training just like this, I was like, a 3 or a 4 or something like that. And I'd probably say a 4 now is where I believe I'm at, and I'm trying to be as honest as I possibly can. And I need to grow in that. I would say over the last year, I probably was a 3 when I first saw this, but it's helped me to grow into a four, and I want to grow into five and six here real shortly. So, Now, very last slide, I promise. You have something to do. We've seen that it's important to grow in leadership. This is what Colossians 4.17 says. Take heed to the ministry, the service, which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. In other words, take it to heart. Do something with it. Get it fulfilled. If it's in your job, your work, that's where God has placed you, do it. Serve God in that job with everything you have. Take heed to grow in leadership. Take heed to grow in spiritual maturity. Take heed to not try and do it on yourself, but to hear from the Lord let Him bring empowerment through the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Let Him bring the empowerment to help you lead and peg out the maximum production and efficiency so that you can hit your destiny and your purpose and hear that well done, good and faithful servant. But right behind you, as you lead them through the gates, you'll see person after person hear the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Pastor Larry, will you come pray as we head out? And then uh, we'll, have, we'll stick around and answer any questions that anybody has. Just come up. We can do a question and answer, but I'd like to go ahead and close it out. Where's the microphone? Father, we thank you for the wisdom and knowledge that we received today. And I just pray that you would seal that in our hearts. Um, and all the revelation and all the wisdom that you have given us, even the inspiration and what we take from this place, that it wouldn't wear off and fade away, but we would invest these into our lives and to the lives of the people that are around us, the people that we are showing your value to. They are valuable. 
They're your sons and daughters, your princesses and your princes. You give your life for them. And so let's help reveal your heart for them by adding value to them, by investing into their lives. So just remind us as we spend time with folks of how important they are to you and make them more important in our hearts as well, Father. I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for Pastor Brian, Boomerang Church, and uh, all the leaders that are here, a part of this ministry. Thank you for what you're doing here through them. The, the reach they have into this community would increase in this year, Father God. Our influence would increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much for coming today. I appreciate it on behalf of the kingdom of God that you desire to grow in him and lead. And I really appreciate it. And I just want to thank you. So thank you very much. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us. Gonna measure up All I can do is thank you for